Hello and welcome to Gifts of the U Weird. We are back after are. a little bit of a hiatus. Yeah, we've had a lot going on. And we apologize for the length of time in between. We hope to tighten that up a little bit in future issues or episodes and sure. get them out a little bit quicker. Yeah. We are glad to be back. I'm Lane Delaney. I'm John Hyatt. Great to be here. And thanks again for tuning in or downloading our podcast and joining mm -hmm. us on the interwaves or the interwebs as they call them. And um, for our third episode, fourth Fourth now. Fourth yeah. episode. Woohoo! Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, we're excited. really excited. So, a lot has happened. Um, here in San Diego, we had um, Ostara Moot, Cal Moot, uh, That's right. at the end mm -hmm. of March. And um, we had a really great time. We had we some did. great folks from Southern California, pretty much. Yeah. And uh, had some great. Um, Diana Paxson joined us from Northern California. Right. Yeah, Diana and Lori came down. And, yeah. Um, we uh, we inaugurated the high seat that we have for our uh, kindred and safe groups use. Um, uh, yourself, myself, Diana, and uh, did anyone else sit? I'm not remembering. No one else sit. Yep, there but, are no other um, Sears or Sears. Birgit and um, Liz were part of the That's group right. as well mm -hmm. to yeah. offer warding and energy. Yeah. That was awesome. It was a great experience. It was. It was I really good. I had a good, good. time. And the chair was built by the crafty hands of a fellow heathen named mm -hmm. um, Mickle, or I call him Mickle. Um, uh, his name is Mike. Mike Powell. Mike Powell. Yeah. And mm -hmm. he's an expert craftsman, mm -hmm. and he built a beautiful seat. And oh, yeah. uh, it's, it's put together so that we can take it apart and transport it easily, and it's amazing, and we really appreciate all of his hard work. Yeah, it's apparently based on a... a period appropriate design because he does a lot of period appropriate stuff that involves uh pegs so that you can pull the pegs out and then collapse the chair and move it around and uh yeah it's um it, and it was a great experience to to get to inaugurate that and get that set up and, yeah. and do our first save session one of the things that i thought was really fantastic um with that or that really amused me too was there were some kids um <clears throat> in the group also that you know um, their mother had them there, and uh, one of the things that I heard at the very beginning, because uh, people were singing the summoning songs and warding songs, but I heard from the back of the room very quietly one of the kids asking, is this church? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I and, didn't hear that. How and fun. her dad was um, said, yeah, honey, this is church. Um, so... <laughs> Pretty much close enough for us, you know, it's, for our kind of folks. It's like church, yes, yeah. absolutely. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, Speaking of the summoning song, I've got yeah. to say that I love the summoning song for Saith. Um, the the Harafnar summoning song. Yeah, the yeah. Harafnar oh, summoning it's a song. Piece. It's amazing, mm -hmm. and we got the full Monty on that, right? Didn't we get the whole song? Well, um, so here's what I understand from from how I understand it. That particular song has a lot of verses. Yes, it does. A lot more than the ones that we sing. Oh, okay. And it's modular, um, based on the ritual that. Uh, what they want to do with the ritual, they swap out parts. They okay. have um, verses for other deities that are involved or for oh, other okay. uh, purposes and stuff like that. But the version that we were using for that and um, that our Saith group here has been using uh, just because most of us, um, you know, either learned from Diana or learned around Diana, um, has been their standard Saith Hyala, uh summoning song. Okay. So. 
that I'm not going to try and sing right now. No, so I mean, you folks, you would not want me to sing it yeah, either by myself. So we I won't subject you to that. But it is a wonderful song. And in case you're wondering, what are they talking about? We are talking about the practice uh, of seith or mm-hmm. seeing yep. from a high scene. And part of that ritual process is to have a called a summoning song. And it really is amazing. It really helps to set the space and helps uh, to set people into the right um, mindset. Uh-huh. And it's really great. So if you ever have the opportunity at some point to be in a SAID session, uh, hopefully they will have their own songs or their summoning songs, and that will be a well, great part of it. Everybody's got their own way, although there there seems to be a lineage developing or at least um, a shared practice developing around people who have been part of, of SAID Yala or learned from people who are part of it. Um, incorporating similar songs, you know, so or the same thing. Um, and, you know, you were just saying it's a ritual, and that was going to be kind of our topic of, of the show today. Yes. So that's one we didn't think of incorporating or talking about specifically, but we can. We can get to that eventually, too. So welcome to our ritual sure. show. Um, Rites and ceremonies and what we do when we get together to honor the gods and each other in community and things like that. Yeah, um, we decided that, or we we kind of kicked some ideas around, and we thought it might be fun to, or a great idea to talk about ritual, since that's a very important part of our practice. Mm -hmm. And um, not everyone is um, close enough to uh, ritual or do ritual with their group, so there's a lot of folks doing it on their own. And there's a lot of different ways to do ritual. A lot of people have different ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, Some... um, have ideas about um, practicing in a physical space only and um, eschewing um, virtual uh, bloats or virtual rituals and some are very comfortable with being participating in a virtual ritual so we wanted to talk about that and uh, just put some ideas out there about how to do it and what what goes into ritual and bloats and symbols and and uh, hopefully it will be a a great conversation and we'd love to hear back from you um, how you do ritual or how you do uh, what you think about those types of things and sure. and, uh, and what you do in your practice because all of our practices are unique to ourselves right or or to our community and to our know. community because yeah. uh, different different kindreds and different hearths and other groups do things in radically different ways you know and that's not even mentioning you know between organizations or different backgrounds or or yeah traditions too so yeah and one of the things that I think um, Lane and I both would like to um, encourage folks is that you know whatever's working best for you that's the best ritual to be a part of they hate it when you say that john <laughs> oh they hate it so much oh um i guess yeah. i'm a very bad heathen then oh well that's good you're in good company then because so am i so we'll be doing it wrong according to yeah. some but that's okay um doing it wrong and sometimes doing it right that's and... okay because you know um if we're all doing it wrong then then nobody's doing it right. And, That's right. Yeah. No. So, Lane, uh, how do you understand ritual and bloats and symbols? What's the difference? Because some people may have a question. Well, I don't know what the difference is. Uh, that was okay. one of my questions when I first came into heathenry and started um, hearing these terms come around. Um, uh, being previously mostly just ADF and going to Celtic, I always just heard it as ritual. Right. But going into the heathen um realm i started hearing bloat and sumble and feigning and um, what does that mean so i'm going to tell you what you can expect to encounter uh going to something like that um or or any one of those things a kind of generality and sort of 
what I have seen and what I have heard from other people in um, at least American heathen style practice. So uh, a bloat um, is a rite generally in honor of a, spe a specific deity or power, um, almost always deities, you know, and uh, how we perform them nowadays, how you'll often see them in America is people sit or stand in a group. Um, there's usually some preparation of space. Mm -hmm. There's, um, you know, talking about whoever it is that you're honoring, that you're drinking to. Um, and uh, then there will be a horn passed around and each person takes a sip. And sometimes you pour a little of it on the ground, too, and says something nice about that particular deity and uh, takes a drink and, set, you know, they say, hail whoever, and pass it on. And you do one round of that or three rounds of that or until you run out of mead. Um, you often pour the rest out as, as just straight up offering, or, um, uh, sometimes people will sprinkle you, you, um, uh, get a, uh, uh, wand for aspersion, basically, uh, a tree branch and dip it in and sprinkle it on people to bring the blessings back from the gods, kind of like what they talk about in ADF with return flow. Mm -hmm. Um, cause that's a, uh, an important part of, of many ritual styles. So that's a bloat. A bloat is a, um, a rite dedicated to a particular deity generally uh, bloat as i understand it and i've heard two different origins of this and i am not the viking answer lady um <laughs> is uh uh the two origins that i've heard is that the word comes from a word meaning blessing or the word comes from a word meaning blood um and i've also heard the suggestion those both came from the same root um so you have a blessing right and very often you have well, a sacrificial rite, an offering rite, and you're asking for blessings in return. And um, a lot of people feel that if it's called a bloat, though, it should involve blood. Um, animal sacrifice is something that some heathens still do. It's done to generally pre uh, prepare ritual feasts. Um, you perform the sacrifice of the animal and then prepare its flesh and give a portion of the the feast to the gods that you're honoring not a lot of heathens do that because not a lot of people are trained in that particular skill and the skills of butchery that surround it but there are people who still do that and there's a distinction that's made uh, between a bloat and a feigning whereas feigning is a more general celebratory ceremony and people who feel strongly that a bloat should include bloat or blood often call any other kind of celebratory or honoring of a particular deity a feigning when they don't have the actual sacrifice. Yeah, when it's not an actual blood sacrifice. If they sacrifice. use meat in, in place of the sacrifice or the blood, mm -hmm. they would call it a feigning instead. Okay. And if you go to a symbol around these parts, or, or in the U.S., what you can expect generally is that same kind of, you know, we do a, a little setup and, and do a little talk, and then uh, people stand around and do the drink and pass the horn, and uh, the first round will generally be toasting gods. Uh, the second round will generally be toasting ancestors and heroes. And the third round will be toasts, boasts, boasts, and oaths. Say that three times fast. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> so yeah, we, you know, you toast whatever you boast that you plan on doing something or that you have done something amazing, or you make an oath, which is something super, super serious in heathen culture. Yeah. So. One of these days we will talk about oath and oath making and taking mm -hmm. uh, as a topic because it is a very serious thing to make an oath because you do it before the gods right. as well as the people around you. So we will cover that at some point, won't we? Yeah, we will, Excellent. definitely. Yeah. 
So, well, that's great. That pretty much sounds like everything that I've heard before. So that's the off the top of my head. Why don't you go into the scholarly side of things? From our troth, from the, the Living Troth, Volume 2, and what is placed in there for definition. So we've got bloat, blessing or sacrifice, one of the basic types of heathen religious ritual at which an offering is made directly to one or several deities. The word is commonly thought to be related to the word blood, but some scholars disagree, deriving it from a Proto-Indo-European or PIE root meaning priestly activity hmm. okay. or a root meaning to strengthen. Hmm. That's interesting. In modern heathen usage, bloat can either be a noun, speaking of the rite itself, or a verb, to bloat. Some heathens use the word only for a rite at which an animal is sacrificed, as you said, and prefer to call a rite without animal sacrifice a foreign, mm -hmm. yielding, or feigning. Okay. Well. Others, however, don't make the dis this distinction and will use bloat for any ritual offering to a deity. Mm -hmm. And it's spelled B-L-O-T, and there's a little accent above the O, and it's pronounced to rhyme with coat, not cot. And you can kind of tell which people have been around other heathens before they do it, as to whether they pronounce it bloat or blot, you <laughs> yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's what the, the troth um, uses as a definition for bloat, and the mm -hmm. troth is quite scholarly, so I'm sure yeah. that they've mm -hmm. got a lot of background in that. And for sumble... Mm -hmm. Let's see what's read, written for that. Sumble, a rite at which toasts are drunk to gods and goddesses, heroes and heroines, honored ancestors, and whoever or whatever else is worthy of honor. Mighty oaths are sworn and great deeds are boasted. Yep. So. So um, I was kind of on the money on this. You were very on the money. Oh, God. Wow. What do I win? Okay, well, that's enough. Well, that was us smacking hands, so okay, what yeah. do you win? Um high-fiving awesome right now okay high five there we go you are the champ i guess let's do that all right sure <laughs> can't touch this <laughs> <laughs> so you know we're having a little fun here and i've always that's how when i've been to heathen rituals um i've heard a lot of them called bloats right mm -hmm. and uh, that's how i've understood it or mm -hmm. understood it is that it's um not necessarily the blood sacrifice although yeah. that's for those that can do that that's quite a um, to me, that would be a very intensive ritual uh, or a bloat. Um, and please, folks at home, don't just go out and grab an animal and slaughter it uh, for bloat. It's a very ritualistic process. Well, yeah. And you have to know how to properly kill an animal so that, one, it doesn't suffer, and, two, you don't get in trouble with the law. You know, right. There you are know. probably laws out there, so be careful are, about yeah. what you do. Um, Make sure it's legally sanctioned and that, that you are trained by somebody who knows how to do this. Yeah, a ritual sacrifice would be quite very intensive. And, and, and again, it's not just about the purpose of killing an animal, but mm -hmm. it's consuming the animal. It's properly preparing it aforehand, giving thanks to the gods, mm -hmm. treating the animal with great respect and care. Mm -hmm. Some of the readings that I have done was that an animal dedicated for ritual was carefully really taken care of okay because it's because yeah. you're giving it to the god so you well, want it to be done you want it to course. be clean and calm and you don't want the animal to suffer it's not about making the animal suffer mm -hmm. but it, it could also be quite disturbing for children so and well, grown-ups <laughs> have you ever been to one i have not i haven't either i'm far removed from that part of from that part of the eating cycle i haven't 
I haven't attended any kind of slaughter in person, yeah. um, and definitely not a ritual one. I'm not saying that that would be something that I would never attend, because, but it would really need to be the right circumstance and uh, the right people performing it, people that I trusted performing it. Yeah, and again, as you said earlier, to make sure the person is, is trained. And there are folks out there who are trained to mm -hmm. do the ritual killing and to do it right and proper, and then, and then afterwards to consume it properly and make the feast quite well. I grew up in a rural area, so mm -hmm. I have watched animals slaughtered for our own food and even growing up with it it was it was hard on me yeah so it, it would be tough for me to do it and but it did give me it did keep me in contact i know where my food come from it's not from a, a styrofoam wrapped in cellophane yeah um it is an animal and so it's important even as we give uh, as we eat to remember that sacrifice and mm -hmm. to make and, and always make it make things holy uh everything things that we do well yeah and and part of me wonders if so many cultures, and including the cultures that were um, studying in heathenry, uh, performed these rites was to sanctify something that was very difficult to deal with. Just as there are dedicated hunting rites in a lot of societies, too. Killing things isn't easy. It doesn't come naturally to us, I don't think, or at least not terribly easily. Mm -hmm. And it always messes with us just a little bit, or it often messes with us just a little bit, to the point where we know that people who have engaged in in that a lot um you know and for instance in war they they have to prepare themselves um part of military training as i understand it is preparing your psyche for that for that kind of act yes. so sanctifying that seems to be important to a lot of different traditions and i think that that's a very basic human thing and not just a heathen thing yeah i agree mm -hmm. with you so so that's about the animal or the blood aspect of bloat. And so, in, in our modern society, we don't have access. We're not very uh, agricultural in a lot of ways. True. So mm -hmm. I think that even if back in older or older times, a bloat was actually an animal sacrifice, we have to adapt because it's not our culture now. So I think the perhaps a bloat has changed a little bit to where we can honor the same intensity and the in same with different ways. Here's the thing. <clears throat> in our reconstruction and in our study, what people did in the past, it's really easy to get fixated on the idea that there's only one or two ways things happened. A lot of the rites that I've read about that have blow to fix to the end of it, honestly, don't sound like a circle of people standing around passing a horn, or necessarily sound like sacrifice, although feasting and an eating animals is is part of that. That's why I prefaced when I was talking about my experiences earlier, earlier, this is likely what you're going to run into if you go to something that's called a bloat. Mm -hmm. I feel from what I've read that there are a lot of other kinds of sacrificial ceremonies that would fall under, that seem to fall under that yeah. as well and have been, people, people used that term for a lot of things and also part of that depends on which heathen culture you're leaning towards because i've heard that more from anglo-saxon folks that a bloat is blood and that a feigning is anything else um that as i understand it may be more a part of the anglo-saxon culture whereas in other places they call it a lot of things bloats so hmm. so i mean i generally use it to mean a sacrificial rite when i'm saying it personally and that doesn't always mean standing in a circle drinking mead and sprinkling each other with it once we're good and bloated. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Well, what can that mean then? Uh, sacrificial rite. Well, there are lots of different ways that you can that you can give and make offerings. You know, that's definitely a topic for its own for its own show. But there are a lot of different gifts that you can give. Meat is common because we know that it was valuable to our ancestors. It was considered a sign of hospitality. That's what you give an honored guest or even a you know, decent guest. You know, you give them mead. Nowadays, we don't usually just hand out strong liquor to people who come over. Coffee. Yeah, coffee. <laughs> and you know what? Coffee bloats or, or co- offerings of coffee seem to be a fairly common thing nowadays, too. Everyone, um, you know... There are people who will say, well, you know, I think Odin likes coffee. There's a little nugget of gnosis there is Odin likes coffee. But apparently so does Thor. And apparently so does Heimdall. And apparently so does Loki. And it just occurs to me that hearing all of these different people talk about their gods liking coffee, maybe maybe they just kind of generally like coffee. And maybe they generally like that because that's an equivalent drink and an equivalent things socially. Mm-hmm. I mean, we sit around and drink coffee and talk to each other about our lives. We stay up late drinking coffee and talk about weird things. I don't know if we really toast with coffee very often, but that that essential socialization or social aspect of sharing the drink seems to, you know, I mean, coffee in our society and probably tea and other ones, you yeah. know. Well, I don't see why we can't toast with it, but... But there are other offerings that can be made and that have been made in the past. I mean, we've found um, artifacts that were destroyed and cast into bogs or just cast into bogs. I'm not sure if we have the vo- the bent swords in continental stuff, continental or Scandinavian stuff, but that was a that was one that was not uncommon in Europe was mm-hmm. bending and destroying a sword or a blade. We've found wands, you know, probably magic wands, probably vulva, you know, staves of uh, vulvas and um, similar type peoples um, that have been bent and put into the grave with them and bent and cast into places. And I'm not sure if we found jewelry. I don't I don't really have that resource in front of me right now, but those are all things that you can give. Well, I think in a lot of Celtic cultures, jewelry was giving. Okay. A lot of um, things they found in bogs and lakes as, as they've dredged them were rings and mm-hmm. um, silver torques and, or torques and silver and things like that. So I think jewelry is also a very good one. And what is sacrifice though? It's to make something sacred. Right. So it's not necessarily killing something. That's not a sacrifice, right. but it's making something sacred and then taking it and giving it for a purpose such as to the gods and generally some, taking it out of human hands. Taking it out of mm-hmm. human use. Yeah. Or out of human hands, yes. And putting it into the gods' hands and that's part of the reason things are destroyed. So I mean, I've given jewelry I've done things like cast it into the sea. Mm-hmm. Um, I've given raw amber. I've I've put raw amber onto uh, onto charcoal and flame for the lady. That's not a thing I do regularly because amber is a rare resource. But it was for important things yeah. when I did it. That would be interesting. I wonder how What's that, that was. I've never seen raw amber on flames it's, in flames before, so that would be interesting. It's amazing. I mean, it's a resin. Yeah. So it melts and bubbles, and it gives off a smoke, and that smoke and that smell. It's very unique. Wow. You're smelling something that's been trapped in the same form for millions of years being released and, yeah. you know, being released to sacred purpose also. It's piney. I mean, it smells kind of piney, yeah. which is shouldn't be surprising. Yeah. <laughs> and it was only little tiny chips that I gave, but still it was... still really yeah, neat. Yeah, it Excellent. was. Wow. So that's kind of bloat. That's yeah, bloat, bloat, sacrifice. So basically, uh, a bloat is when you dedicate something to a specific god or goddess mm-hmm. for a purpose. Yeah. 
and um, when people are well, generally a rite or uh, in a ritual, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. How can we do that on our own? Can well, we have a can a can a solitary person have a blow? Why I don't not, know. Right? Um, I mean, it depends on how you want to use the word. There are people who feel that it's not a blow if it's a solitary thing, but there are plenty of people who use the word for their. Um, morning offerings of coffee to the all-father jim or uh uh similar um similar private offerings i mean i do offerings most days of my own but i don't really call it a bloat unless it's a big thing you know once a week or so i'll get together and toast everybody i've got a shrine to all all together now and all at once and i kind of consider that a personal bloat because it's some ceremony it takes maybe 20 minutes half an hour and it's something intensive so it kind of crosses that line for me i would think a bloat would be involving a lot of or, or not a lot of ceremony but involve ceremony very dedicated yeah. very specific purpose very mm-hmm. the, there's some things going on around that you know you yeah. set up the space you cleanse the space you do your working and making whatever sacred and making the offering and dedicating it so yeah it's a little bit more than just uh, pouring an offering uh, at the altar right uh and saying you know hail freya or right knee hail any or whatever um Mm -hmm. that's making an offering a little bit different yeah uh, but a bloat would be very specific yeah bloat then we've got different words for it it's true and different people have different opinions on opinions and attachments on Mm -hmm. what it should be done yeah so basically what Lane and I think, or I think, maybe I shouldn't speak for you, but it's, it's like, do what best, what's best for you. Yeah, I'm not going to say call anything a bloat. Right, right no, I wouldn't bat, say that you know, either. <laughs> uh, but I do, I'm glad that we brought attention to the fact that there are a whole lot of different practices that are, are called bloat both nowadays and, you know, historically, there's, there's a good amount of variation. So, um... You know, go ahead and let someone tell you you're doing it wrong because there's no blood or it's on a Tuesday or something like that. But uh, you don't need to take them seriously all the time either. You know, learn what you learn and, and, and work with what you work with. If it brings you and yours fortune and luck and, and protection and, you know, the blessings of the gods, then obviously you're doing something right. Yes, absolutely. So, Sumble. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Sumbles then. Sumbles are wonderful. Now, according again, according to this is a, a rite which toasts are drunk to gods and goddesses, heroes, heroines, and ancestors, whoever or whatever else is worthy of honor, and oaths and great oaths are made and deeds are boasted. Mm-hmm. So one thing that's brought up when symbol is brought up frequently, and it's not brought up in that definition, is the idea of um, drawing people's weird together, helping them. Uh, connect with each other symbols are often cited as community building rituals and they are there is a the reason that i said symbols are are wonderful is because there is a magic to them there is actually i've been in several symbols and there is a magic and there is a a connection of people together a forming of a web with the people at that time that's really really neat and powerful sometimes absolutely and Part of that, I think, is the the environment, the fact that you're drinking and, you know, and um, offering to and toasting, you know, powerful gods and, and inspiring people. It gets you a little bit emotional. And when you're toasting or boasting or even speaking lovingly of, of a power that you revere, that that opens you up a bit. That gives a little bit of vulnerability. You're bearing your heart to a group of people. 
and that has an effect that has an effect on you and that has an effect on them and that that kind of exposing of your own vulnerability to a group that you trust especially to a group that you trust mm -hmm. helps to break down social barriers and hey once you start breaking those barriers down the net you know it's easier for community to form and connections to form yeah and it's it's really great especially because symbols are generally three rounds sometimes more right mm -hmm. and at least the symbols i've been to where they've done like generally gods and goddesses first right ancestors and heroes or other things second and then the last round is generally what we've done as oaths or boasts yeah and it's really interesting because as you said um a lot of people can bear their a lot of personal or private things because when you're working with a god or a goddess and you're boasting about or toasting them uh, at the right. first round as to why they're important or what they've done for you that could be very moving at oh, times yeah. as well I've been part of a great symbol on Memorial Day, which is, we're recording uh, mid-May, so Memorial Day will be up soon. Right, that's uh, true. Mm -hmm. Doing a, a symbol for ancestors, the, the military folks who've passed away in, in protecting countries and, and I know some people who do that, yeah. Our kindred did a couple of years ago, we went up to a, a war memorial and did a, a symbol one evening, and that was really neat to be yeah. able to do that and honor those ancestors. That is really cool. Uh, those folks who passed, who died, you know, fighting for the country, those men and women. So, um, now I don't remember who exactly is tied to it, but I have some suspicions. But there is a, um, I saw a website at one point that was talking about, you know, pay, paying regular honor and cultists to, uh, well, not, well, I mean, paying regular honor to the founding fathers specifically and the ancestors who are tied to our country with the theory of, hey, it's, Better for them to be on our side, right? Yeah. Um, everybody wants to claim the founding fathers agree with them, of course, just like everyone wants to claim the gods agree with them on yes. everything. But, um, you know, part of part of the whole idea of offering rights is establishing relationships, you know, giving and receiving. Um, we give that we may receive. And it's not always a tit for tat also. You know, it's not people who work with different kinds of ceremonial and, and even more, more folksy type magic. There's often... When they're doing magic type stuff, there's usually an exchange. You give something up in exchange for something. Here's the thing is the way I see offering rights, you're giving things up. You're not always asking for something back. It's okay not to. Sometimes it's just nice to give somebody a gift. Sometimes it is. You know, right. if you like somebody. And establishing a relationship, unless you want the relationship to be very strictly mercantile, is not going to be about, well, you know, I've poured out my best mead for you. Can you help me get a new car? You know, that might occasionally happen. You invite somebody over, you know, give them some drinks, give them some food and talk to them about, you know, uh, helping you out with the new car. But what is important is giving gifts and establishing that relationship, because, as I said, it doesn't always a gift demands a gift. Yeah, sure. But you stop you stop take, keeping count after a certain point when you really feel comfortable with someone yes. or you really know someone. And yeah, sometimes you just seek something that someone likes or or is interesting that you think would be interesting for them. You just give it to them. You don't yeah. you don't expect a gift. Yeah, being paid back or something. So right. yeah, it's that's really cool. So symbols. Yeah. yeah. So symbols are great because mm -hmm. they also give a chance to boast about great things that are happening to you. To talk about what the gods are doing or what's just going well in life or yeah if you're going to make an oath or or say hey you know what i'm going to 
do this for right now or or this is what I want to accomplish. And frequently, and I've engaged in this, there's the boasting about your kids too. Um, <laughs> and that's that's a good thing too, you know. Um, you know, your lineage, your children, your family, bringing up the good things that they've done so that other people in your community are aware of it. Yeah. I know in heathenry, we tend to be very, there's a lot of reputation-based stuff and people are known cattle dying kinsmen dying etc you know mm -hmm. um but reputation's important and sticks around to to super paraphrase the havamal um <laughs> and so talking about your kin toasting toasting and boasting about your kin is actually really important and something really valuable i've seen and you know an, another great thing about symbols is there's a lot of people who are heathen who have partners who are not or it's true. Mm -hmm. or partners who are of a different pagan pass or mm -hmm. our, I have a friend who uh, his wife is Christian mm -hmm. and she comes to our symbols and uh, a symbol is great because a person of, of a different path can still participate and they can feel a part of that community they may not toast to our gods but they may be very comfortable in doing the boasting part or or honoring their ancestors right. and around and so that assemble is a great way to be able to have a really community feel and in, invite folks who are non not either non-heathen or baby heathens that are just right. not sure what's going on it can be very comforting and very comfortable yeah i agree uh, absolutely yeah. so what's the structure so let's talk about the structure sure. of, a, of a a right a heathen right and for those who may not have a structure or maybe investigating or or we've got some basic things as the and again it's not it's not written in stone and mm -hmm. someone doesn't have to do it exactly this way but these are ways that are kind of common that i've that i've participated in and that probably work well for most people so with most rituals in a great many faiths and you know ceremonial sets of practices you start off with kind of setting the ground, you prepare, there's usually some kind of purification or, or preparation. So what are ways that that's done in, uh, in heathenry and in heathen rites? One of the ways that our kindred and I've seen a lot is through what's called a hammer Halloween. Mm -hmm. And it's basically taking a, um, having a hammer representing uh, protection and, mm -hmm. and that, and Too then far. going into each of the directions. Basically, we kind of go in the ways of the nine worlds. Mm -hmm. so you go north, uh, south, east, and west, and then basically it's hammer in the north, hollow and protect the sacred space. Mm -hmm. And then eventually you go in Asgard and Helheim, and I haven't seen too many people do Light Alfheim or, or Sword well, yeah, Alfheim, um, but you can do that, and then you get to Midgard part, and everyone puts their hand on the hammer or stretches towards it, and then we just kind of lend all of our energy to set the sick to set a space where we can feel uh, we can do the working mm-hmm yeah. yeah and uh, we know where that comes from right it is long-term long way adapted from ceremonial magic practice of lesser vanishing ritual the pentagram it's a kind of heathen adaptation I don't want to put a name on who did it or who came up with it because I'm not remembering uh, who adapted and developed it but it's very similar in structure to that and yeah there's nothing wrong with that. Let me be honest. You know, if it's powerful and if it sets sets your ter uh, territory up, sets your space up, that's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's been adapted, and and again, you know, we don't know how people back a thousand years ago did ritual. Sure. Well, I mean, we have some. Indications. We have some indications, yeah. but it could have been different amongst 
And it's really funny because some of the stuff that we have is so different from what we actually do and still, you know, insist is the is the proper way of doing things. As my side note, one of the things that I was thinking about and discussing with a friend recently was the whole, you know, you'll see it on t-shirts, slogans, memes online or Facebook, the, you know, our God, we do not bow before our gods. Our gods do not want us bowing or prostrating themselves. They want us to stand as equals. Well, I mean, we do have a lot of accounts of people throwing themselves on the ground in front of God posts, um, including one where someone I, I think was either killed or banished because he refused to refuse refused to abase himself or, or prostrate himself before mm. before them. Again, there were variations in those cultures that that not everyone is accounting for. And if you want to stand shoulder to, to shoulder with the gods as equals, that's great. But don't say that's the only way it was ever done yeah it's there's always variations and as we know or as we surmise i imagine that mm -hmm. you know a, a culture 20 miles away we could be doing it completely differently or very a lot of variations from tribe to tribe or what what was what was useful to the people at that time so and we're fortunate nowadays we have a lot of communication we've got books we've got a lot of people that are sharing gnosis mm -hmm. so it's easy for or it's it's well for people to be able to find things that work for them and let me be honest if you have some experience in this stuff there's nothing wrong with working on developing your own way of doing absolutely. it too. absolutely because i don't have a lot of association with thor the hammer sim symbolism again bad heathen i uh but i have a lot of association with freya i call on her as blotgidia uh, when I'm doing uh, the Priestess of the Sacrifice, when I'm doing ritual preparation or preparing a space, I I take a flame and I walk to all the corners of it and I hold it aloft and hold it below oh, and great. light the light the space with the flame and say something to the equivalent of sacred flame and Freya's name, banish from this space all baleful whites and wills and make it whole and holy. Hail Blotgidia. Do the same with water, you know, sprinkle mm -hmm. some water around and say something similar and ask the lady to do that work with me. Yeah, I think part of the reason the hammer was was chosen was because Mjolnir is is the tool of the ultimate protector of Midgard in many ways, Thor. But if your associations are different, there's nothing wrong with trying to construct something differently because as traditional as the hammer right is for modern heathens, we all know that it it probably wasn't something or almost certainly wasn't something that was done back in a day. So, no, thousand no. years ago. Absolutely. And but and that's why we're talking about now, um, because we're modern heathens. We're heathens today, and we're learning what we can and bringing a lot of practices in. And that's a great thing, You what you mentioned with doing the flame and the water. Yeah. It's very beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. So, hey, we're talking about innovations. Any other innovations we want to try and discuss? Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, no, we were, this, or? we were talking about the structure, and I sidetracked us on talking about <laughs> innovations. Let's keep talking about structure. Well, no, we'll it's a basic structure that a lot of people can go for, and then... Our kindred here, we ask the four dwarves, Nordri and Sudri, Ostri and Vestri, to continue up to uphold the earth and to uphold our working. Mm -hmm. And uh, we we call upon them as the who they who are placed in the four corners of the earth to uphold us in ours. And then, of course, you know you kind of go with a statement of purpose. What are we here for? Mm -hmm. And then sometimes you know you you go in and recite some lore or tell a story or you kind of make it interesting or yeah. fun or well you engage people in the in the mythological aspects or the cosmological aspects you want them to connect to yeah uh you you make you recite 
versus from the Havamal the or, or the Eddas that are atmospherically or, or thematically appropriate. Exactly, to the, to, to the workings you're doing. Mm -hmm. And then from there, uh, it can go to passing the horn mm -hmm. or... A feast. Or participating in the feast, things mm -hmm. like that. And then afterwards, we, especially in a sambal, after each round, the remainder of the horn goes into the blessing bowl. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we refill it again. Uh, do the second round, and that goes into the blessing bowl. Consequently, do it again, and then that's when we might take the blessing bowl and then do the sprinkling to. Well, do we the generally do the sprinkling for the bloat, not so much for the sun balls. Yeah. I've noticed because the the sprinkling is is about the blessings of the god, and the sun bowl is more about community building. So yeah. that's that's how I've seen it yeah. done most of the time. And then afterwards, uh, after everything is done, then remainder of the uh, then the blessing bowl is poured out onto uh -huh. the ground. Yeah. We give thanks to the gods. Yeah. Uh, from the gods to the, the earth, earth to, to us, us, from us to, to the earth, earth to the gods, gods, a gift for a gift. Mm -hmm. And then we ask the dwarves to continue to uphold us, and the right and our right is ended. So that's a sure. basic, very basic right. Yeah. People can do innovate, like you were mentioning earlier, mm -hmm. and do work on your own and do what's good for you so earlier you mentioned a virtual bloat what's a virtual bloat jan a virtual bloat so this of course has sparked some controversy some people don't agree with virtual bloats and oh yeah others think it's just fine well virtual bloat would be a gathering through skype or mm -hmm. other electronic means to be able to get together and toast and god or a goddess or do a virtual symbol yeah where Basically, people could be all on the on their computers um, from f great vast distances, or people who can't make it out to something. Basically, you do great intent, and you um, do do a ritual online. Each person would then have their horn or be able to participate in their way, and uh, and and do it virtually. Again, there's some controversy out there. Some people don't agree with it. They think it's well, I mean, I, I suppose we can talk a little bit about the, the controversy, or at least what sparked it. And what sparked it was someone talking about having a virtual bloat on a on a, an online forum. And they started it by hailing someone, and other people came in and hailed and said, hail so-and-so. And honestly, because I decided to participate in this, and this wasn't a real-time thing, this was an over-a-period thing. And I, I, okay, personally... I don't actually consider that a bloat, but I understand why they called it that. Personally, I took a drink when somebody posted and I was toasting along with them. And I certainly took and pour a drink when I did it myself and I uh, didn't, you know, said my own hails there. So there were ritual ceremonial actions and offerings being made to the gods. And some people do feel that that's sac um, sacrilegious, sacrilegious, blasphemous, um, heresy. Or mockery. A mockery, yeah, because it's... I don't know, because it's modern or it's done with <laughs> internets and the Vikings would never use internets for that. So, yeah. But I think people use what they have. And I think in this age, we have so many people who are interested in heathenry and interested in connecting with each other. And we have this marvelous tool of the or marvelous suite of tools that is the internet that allows us to do that. Sure. A, a bloat in person, a symbol in person, that has something that doing it online doesn't have. But if you don't have any heathens in your area, or if the only heathens you, that are in your area are not the, your kind of heathens, it's better to have something than nothing, right? Yeah, and I would think that going online, meeting at a time through Skype or any of the other marvelous tools that allow yeah. people to 
communicate through visual or voice or audio only mm-hmm. ways, that's a great way to hold a symbol or a bloat and be able to do that toasting and, and boasting and honoring at the same time. I, I guess I can kind of see if someone said hail somebody and then you know five days later someone does a hail that yeah that kind of breaks it up breaks it up a lot but but for me being online at the same time and we participated in a freya yeah uh at the same time with folks on uh uh, from the uh from the virtual assess room near group the the group for freya's folk on facebook yeah we had a virtual bloat and it was quite it was really cool to Mm -hmm. be able to meet other folks so so it's possible uh I'd like to do more of those, by the way. Um, you know, I, I actually appreciated the format because, again, it allowed me to... Not everyone in the area is going to necessarily be interested in bloating the same beings that you're interested in bloating at any particular given time. And mm. if you have a reason for it, but if you know a lot of people online, it's easy to say, hey there, so-and-so, hey there, so-and-so, want to lift a cup to Freya? Um, more often than not, you'll find takers and people who are interested mm. and want to share in that experience, too. So it's one of the one of the ways out there that, especially solitary folks, or yeah. as you said, folks who cannot connect with uh, another group of heathens very easily, it's a great way to connect with folks and to be able to do that and to feel like you're participating in ritual together. Mm-hmm. And I think that's great. Yeah. I think that we encourage that. We are in a modern age, so this is one of our tools. And yes, I also agree with you, uh, in-person is superior. If it can be done, then meeting with people face-to-face is really an, a really excellent and awesome way to do it. But it's a great alternative to have uh, Skype and other ways to do that. And hey, guess what? If you're, um, There are people who have trouble interacting with other people, uh, not just because of geographical reasons. There are people with, um, with mental or physical issues, accessibility issues, that really just can't get together with other folks or people who are super introverted or have other barriers with social interaction you still get to honor the gods with other people even if they're not in the room with you absolutely and this is a great way to be able to to do that so yeah. so we put our we approve of virtual books oh, yeah. and symbols putting a big stamp <laughs> stamp on it maybe maybe we'll do one if we ever you know post a live show or something like that oh that would be awesome um, yeah yeah our our Tumblr bloat to Mickey Mouse just to just to make sure that everyone is now offended and upset. Our tu- our Tumblr bla- based bloat to Mickey Mouse. So, a couple of other ritual ideas and thoughts, uh, things that happen. One of the ones that I wanted to bring up that people talk about are our ordeal rites, and this is uh, uh, super fringe, where you do uh, a ritual that pushes your limits. It's often some kind of ecstatic rite. And a lot of cases, it's been something that mirrors something in our mythology. So the most common one I've heard of is people hanging themselves from trees. Although I've also heard of people sewing their lips shut too. Don't recommend either of these myself personally right off the bat. But there is something to ha- to pushing yourself into uh, an ecstatic experience. You know, our many of our gods seem to appreciate or jive with that kind of vibe of 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 ecstasy and and uh and madness you know odin all father of course right Mm -hmm. off the bat but extremes can push our passions and our passions can can push our desire in our life and when you wrap that up in uh, a blanket with the gods and and the weird uh that can have effects on you and on the effects on the way things go so 
other things would be like rites of passage. That's very true. Um, mm-hmm. Marriages, weddings. Marriages, weddings. Uh, I think a great adulthood. rite of passage would be children have to involve children in the practice would be to have different rites of passages for them. For right. instance, as a potty train, that's a great rite of passage. Sure. And, Go from being sixth grade to middle school, or something like that, or a puberty pass—you know, rite of passage when boy or a girl enters puberty, mm-hmm. when they get their driving license, right. things like that, and then when they pass to adulthood, you know, um, some make a deal out of that, you know, going from no longer from graduating high school to being on their own—that's a great thing as well. Yeah, it really is, and our culture, um, modern American culture. We don't have a lot of rites of passage that aren't specific to ethnic groups within our culture. We have some that are vaguely defined, most of which, although we you know, think of them culturally, are almost obsolete at this point. Back in the day, it was, you know, you, the boy gets his own car for the first time. But, you know, the economy is different and the world's different. and Not everybody can gift their child with a car anymore or not everyone can earn it. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of those things, those particular rites of passage that we have su- suggested, or talked about make it, you talked again before about making something sacred and this kind of ties this all together is what's a ritual a ritual in a religious or spiritual sense is performing sets of actions in a sacred set and setting something that is set aside from this world something that is devoted to to higher powers to other powers something that is devoted to ourselves and that ties the narratives of our lives into the greater cosmos, into the mythologies that we're tied to, into our ancestors and our roots. Uh, It reflects the past, it reflects the heavens within our own lives, and there's a great power in that. And so I think sanctifying rites of passage or important points in your life is, I mean, that's, in a lot of cases, that's what ritual is for. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. And then, of course, we mentioned Seth earlier. So Seth is oh, a great ritual yep, you practice have. for divination. And uh, Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say basic structure. Again, stuff real quick with Seth. I mean, you do have a basic structure with it, too. Sometimes there's offerings poured. The area is cleansed and prepared. You know, some people do, you know, call dwarves or do a hammer right. Then you have the warding songs and the call, the summoning songs, the songs meant to summon the powers you're interacting with, the warding songs meant to protect you from those powers or other ones, um, or from things just going awry. There's, you know, often a meditative journey down or elsewhere on the tree and then returning uh, from that and then saying goodbye to everyone too. So Seth is a heathen rite. Yes. Um, or these rites that we do surrounding, say, their surrounding spout is a heathen rite, and it's becoming more common. Uh, so needs to be included there too. Yeah, absolutely. So, so a lot of a lot of great ways to do ritual. A lot of great ways to um, participate uh-huh. with other folks, either in person or via the internet. So great things. Well, shall we do our standard okay. ring draw? Yeah, let's. Uh, well, we'll close out right rituals then. We thank you for joining us on that, and we'll do our rune draw. Yeah. Let's see. Oops. Which rune do we want to talk about today, or do they want us to talk about today? Let's let's see. Let's get this out of here first. Right. Pulling runes from Silkwood Artisans. Mm-hmm. Caitlin made these for me out of birch. They're wonderful. Should link those on the uh, on the page when I we set this up. Shall. Excellent. Gabo! Oh, it's the best. Wow. Aren't many runes better than Gabo? There aren't. 
Gabo is the Gabo showed up. It's gift. And um, and hey, that's what we've been talking about the whole time, right? Is the gift for a gift, isn't it? Yes. So do you? What do you want to say about Gabo? Gabo is to me, it's a great way to. Um, when Gabo shows up, a lot of times the gifts are often things that we don't are not obvious. Mm-hmm. Always look for gifts in in places and ways that are not quite so clear. Uh, and uh, I love to see, um, for instance, you know, walking down the street, you might just look down and see a little flower and what a precious gift that is for that moment. It is. Or brush up against, in San Diego, rosemary grows quite prevalently and brushing up against that and smelling that or hearing a bird sing. Yeah. And just remembering, you know, when when Gabriel shows up, there's so much to always remember. Um, the gift of health, the gift of sight, the gift of hearing, the touch of smell, the gifts of friendships and love, and uh, the gift of a cat purring against you or a dog rolling over so you could scratch its belly until the cows come home, you know, or, or there's so many things, seeing a lizard running along the ground like I did this morning mm-hmm. doing my yard work, you know, there's this little lizard laying there. How, what a great gift to yeah. see life. You know, um, so to me, Gabo is just, there's gifts all around. Yeah. There's gifts everywhere. Sometimes we, we fail to look for them or we get so caught up in things that we don't see the gifts that are sometimes just there. And I know it's a modern mindset and everything, but gratitude, expressing gratitude for those gifts, even if you're not really sure where they came from or don't really think they came from specifically anyone in particular, is really helpful. I know that I and a lot of other people have had the problem in their life when is that when they receive something good, they expect something bad to happen as a result, or they think that that's winding mm. them up for something bad. And I've discovered the best antidote I've discovered for that is uh, gratitude, is when you have something really good, thank whoever. And really, I mean, if you don't know who it's from, just thank whoever. Sometimes I just, you know, thank whatever God or, or ancestor or power brought this into my life. Yeah. Whatever circumstances set this up, I'm grateful for this. Thank you for this. And that really helps to take away that feeling that you're being set up for a fall because you're you're saying, I recognize this gift and I'm grateful for it. Absolutely. It's the Anglo-Saxon rune poem, the translation that we have here is, Giving to all men brings credit and honor, help and worthiness, and to every outcast is the estate and substance that have not else. So, well, talks about how giving is good talks about it bringing you credit and honor something that's important is when you have a lot it's important to give a lot too that flow you know we're talking about uh you know we give that we may receive we we receive that we may give gift for a gift a gift for a gift exactly there's no way that you can you can become very wealthy and very powerful and accumulate a lot of things and still be closed-handed and tight-fisted, but you're not going to be as well-loved or respected as somebody who shares and gives. And especially if you're within a society with other people, there is a connection of responsibility. And uh, to a certain extent, we're responsible for looking out for our kin. And someone who has more of one thing, it's important for them to be willing to give some of that. On the flip side, it's important not to demand too much of that, too, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So, Gabo, perfect, Gabo. So especially since we spent so much time talking about sacrificial and offerings. Yes, absolutely. So, 
Uh, any shout-outs we want to do before things are, uh, before we close down? Oh, well. Do you have um, any? Not that come to mind immediately, <laughs> no. So, uh, we're still looking for more heathen artists and musicians that we can play on our show. Eventually, we're going to be able to play whole songs. Who, uh, who's doing the intro and outro music uh, for uh, this? Our intro and outro music is by a Finnish band called Vartina. I hope I'm saying that right. I may be, there's umlauts over each name, so uh, and since I don't speak Finnish, I'm going to say it incorrectly, but the song is called Lassitus, and we'll have a link to the, at least YouTube and to their um, homepage. Uh, they were kind enough to give us permission to use their works. I don't know that they're if they're necessarily heathen or not, but their their music is traditional and, and fun and light and just great to listen to. So I've really enjoyed listening to them off and on for the last few weeks that I've been pinging on them. I'd just like to shout out to you, Lane. It's great to get back together. Thank you. And yeah. it's a gift to have this podcast. Thank and, you, and likewise. And do things together. And, and a shout out to the California Star Moot, which was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. No, so many good people came to that. Yeah. It was a really good experience. We had a great time doing that. Yeah. And uh, so we'll close down, and we thank you for listening to mm -hmm. us. Thank you very much. And uh, as always, we would love to have your feedback. Please. Uh, Show ideas, topics that you want to hear us discuss or explore. Yeah. Um, if somebody wants to be a guest who's done something that they want to talk about that's related to this you know yeah. get in touch with us and we'll see how that works absolutely so our email is gifts of the weird at gmail.com mm -hmm. do have a twitter feed called uh hash or at weird gifts w-y-r-d-g-i-f-t-s so i do try to post some runes now and then and um, thoughts and things so it's growing yeah, uh, and as more people get on and we start getting some weird ideas, we'll post them there. Oh as yeah, well as we do have a Facebook page called Gifts of the uh, Gifts uh -huh. of the Weird, so look us up there. We are looking forward to building a community of folks just connecting. Yeah, connecting together. So, thank you, folks. Thank you. And let's go out with the rest of Vartina Lassitus. See you soon. Hell. <laughs>